Thanks for tuning in to the New Life South Coast podcast. We want to extend an invitation to sit in live with us during our weekend service. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that this message inspires you, but also challenges you in your walk with God. For more information, visit our website at newlifesouthcoast.com. Now here's Pastor Marco with an encouraging word. If you have your Bibles today, I'm going to be in Matthew chapter 9, and I want to talk to you about vision. I want to talk to you about how far we've come and how far we want to go in this thing. I believe God brings us together to accomplish things that we will never be able to accomplish in our own. I don't believe life was meant to be lived by yourself. That's why I say join a crew. Don't do life alone. That's a terrible choice. By the way, it's a choice. A lot of times people say, I don't have anybody. No one cares. Join a crew. Come on, how, many, how much more time we're going to be singing that same old sorrow? Wah, wah, wah. Shut up and join a crew. Do life with somebody. Go on Facebook whining. No one cares. I can't wait to leave New Bedford. I don't care where you go, you still got to live with yourself. Might as well live with some people that's going to help you live life to the fullest. Can you say amen? Matthew chapter 9. Verse 35, Jesus says this, powerful words here. Jesus traveled through all the towns, all the towns. Jesus doesn't discriminate. Jesus traveled through New Bedford, Fall River, Somerset, even Westport. (laughs) If you're in Westport, shout out to you. And villages of that area, Dartmouth. Even Dartmouth gets some love. A couple of you from Dartmouth. You guys are polite. We're not from New Bedford. We don't, re- we don't cause havoc. If you're from New Bedford, make some noise in this place. Dartmouth folks, we're playing golf. We're trying to win football games in New Bedford. Announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illnesses. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Because they were confused and helpless. Like sheep without a shepherd. He said to his disciples, the harvest is great. But the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. Can you say amen? Vision. Sunday. We try to do this at least twice a year to help us refocus or realign ourselves with God's purpose for our lives. Like I said, I don't believe we're here by coincidence or mistake, and I don't believe we're here for just me, myself, and I. That's too small of a thinking. We're here for something bigger and greater than all of us. You know, it was this week, five years ago, that we had our first ever prayer walk in New Bedford. Before we launched the church, we decided we're going to launch this thing by praying first. And I want to show you a picture of five years ago. This was everybody who believed that we can launch something in the city. It's five years ago. This is the parking lot of Keith Middle School right over here on this side. That we came together and said, let's, let's pray for the city. Let's go around and tell people that there's a new church coming. But that day started interesting for me because Earlier in that day, we still lived in Rhode Island. We had to move to New Bedford, yet it was all a dream. 
I remember that morning in Pawtucket, Rhode Island, with my wife, and, and uh, we, we had three kids already at that point, six years old, five years old, and two years old at that point. And that morning, as I was getting ready to come to have this prayer meeting in New Bedford, she dropped this bombshell on me and said, I'm pregnant. <laughs> six years old, five years old, two years old, we're getting ready to move to a city. We don't know what's going to happen, and now we're pregnant with our fourth that drive from Pawtucket to New Bedford was very hazy, to say the least. And I was asking God, like, this better be you. And I'm going to know this has to be God. Because there's no way. There's no way you would launch something in the middle of another pregnancy. When you already have three little ones running around. And I'm here to tell you this morning, every vision requires sacrifice. The reason why most people don't, they don't have a vision is because they don't want to sacrifice. Every vision requires sacrifice. Because you don't know what you're made of until you are, you are in the midst of a sacrifice. Right? Matter of fact, we're here because of a sacrifice, aren't we? We're here because someone went to the cross on our behalf. We're here because it's God's idea. Church was never man's idea. Don't let people fool you and say, we created this. No, God created this. He set the tone for how he wanted this thing to be. He said, I'm going to have a family on this earth, and this family is going to be built on sacrifice. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son as a sacrifice for the world. And he says, while you are in this world, you will be my family. You will be the ones to represent me. You will be what we call the living church. Not a building, but a group of people, a movement of people who would put Jesus first and to do his will first. Every vision requires sacrifice. And every vision requires a process. That's why we didn't just come and said, let's launch this thing. We said, let's pray about this thing. Every vision requires a process. God will put a a vision in your heart, but it doesn't mean tomorrow he will come to pass. There's a process. Just like she told me that day she was pregnant, it took nine months for us to see the fullness of that pregnancy. It takes time to see the fullness of a vision, to see the fullness of a dream. But it requires sacrifice. There is no dreaming without sacrifice unless you're just daydreaming. You can daydream, doesn't mean you have a dream. Right? We're here because of a sacrifice. And God causes people to be a people of sacrifice. You're not going to build anything worth building without some sacrifices. You're not going to have healthy marriages without some sacrifices. You're not going to have healthy kids without some sacrifices. You're not going to run a business without some sacrifices. Listen, the difference between two businesses who, who, who basically sell the same thing is sacrifice. One person says, I see money. The other person says, I see opportunity. And the best businesses are the ones who have a vision for what it's supposed to be. The vision is bigger than all of us. It's God's vision. It requires timing. We could not conjure up this timing. If you would have told me that we would be pregnant to move to another city, to move our kids, to try to find school and try to find a house and, and not knowing if this is going to work I would tell you, you must be out of your mind. It must be God. It must be God. 
You can live in the natural or you can live in the spirit. That's the reality of a vision. See, last few weeks we've been talking about how the Holy Spirit performs surgery in you. He gives you a new heart. What happens when you begin to have a new heart? Well, you have a new outlook. See, vision is the byproduct of a new heart. That's why some people can live in New Bedford, but see all the negative things about New Bedford because they don't have a vision. And the funny thing is, no matter what city you live in, there's good and bad. It's just a matter of your outlook. Right? Someone can see opportunity, someone can see problems. It all depends on the vision that you have. But that vision doesn't come if your heart is not renewed. Because old heart, old visions. New heart, new visions. New opportunities. Are you following? Right? It doesn't matter where you go. Your heart is what's going to lead you. And your heart is, gonna, is going to be the outlook of what your eyes see. That's why we need to pray, God, open the eyes of my heart. So I need to see what you're already doing in my midst. Because most people would miss what God is doing because they don't have the outlook to see. Most people just see the natural. That's why our world is filled with Captain Obvious. Everybody tells you what's wrong. But a few people are working on solutions to what's wrong. That requires vision. That requires efficiency to say, no, this could be more than just this. And the Bible says, never despise the day of small beginnings. Everything starts somewhere. That, that, for us, it was just a few of us in that parking lot saying, no, we believe that this city can see a church that can actually help people, that can bless people, that families can be healed, that, that young people can follow Jesus, and that businesses can be birthed, and, and lives can be transformed. Vision is the byproduct of a heart transplant given to you by the Holy Spirit. We develop a new outlook in life. And what happens when you you get the heart of Jesus, then you get the eyes of Jesus. Did you notice he said he saw people, that's vision, with compassion. The way your heart is right now is how you see people. You can see people as a problem or you can see people as an opportunity. It all depends on the outlook of your heart that comes through your eyes. You see, Jesus said that your eyes are the windows to your soul. He said if your eyes are bad, your soul will be corrupted. But he says if your eyes are good, then you're going to see light. You're going to see goodness. It all comes down to our hearts because, because they work together. Your heart is, is the one that's downloading things for your eyes to see. And your eyes are only going to register when your heart is communicating. So that's why it doesn't matter how many change of clothes you have. Sooner or later, your heart catches up to your eyes and your eyes catches up to your heart. Are you tracking with me today? He saw people, vision, that's vision. He saw the crowd with compassion. He said he had compassion on them. I got to ask you to this morning, how's your outlook on people? Because no matter what you're going to do in life, it's going to have to deal with people. All of it. Right now, as we speak, you are around people. Unless your calling is to be in a desert island, you're going to have to deal with people. 
and the way you deal with people is, 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 is the outcome of what's going on in your heart. Notice how most people talk about people. They talk about people, about people, but they don't talk about people from their perspective of their hearts. If you notice some people, everybody has a problem except for them. Don't elbow anybody this morning. He saw people, vision. My friends, this is so important. Most of the time when people talk about dreams and visions, they talk about in terms of what you're going to achieve. Jesus talks about vision and dreams in terms of how you deal with people. Because think about it. No matter what achievement you have in life, it equates to how many people you affected. Again, you start a business because you see an opportunity. Or do you start a business because you see money? And I guarantee you, most businesses that make it is the people who see an opportunity to serve somebody. And because they're serving somebody, they're getting paid as a bonus for serving somebody. I always cringe when, the, when people say, you know, I, I, I want to go into this field because of money. I always cringe because I'm like, man, that's not going to do it. If you go into a certain field because you get paid more, you, you don't have a vision. Matter of fact, that's small thinking. Anytime finance is your number of reasons for making a decision, you're thinking too small. Jesus says the outlook of life is how is it that you're going to impact others. Whether it's business, getting married. Listen, if you get married from a selfish perspective, your marriage will not last. Because marriage is about how am I going to serve you and how you're going to serve me. And if we serve each other, then we're going to go somewhere with this thing. But if it's about me, myself, and I, how you can serve me, listen, I am the... Then guess what? Your marriage is already in trouble. Well, let's talk about it. Coming to the side. You made me want to preach. This side wants me to preach. Hey. My friends, compassion is the byproduct of a new heart. You can't fake the funk. You ever watch politicians trying to be compassionate? When, they, when you're trying, you're waiting. Trying to kiss a baby, but you don't know how to do it. You've never held a baby in your life. Come on, you can see right through someone who's faking the funk. Because compassion comes out of you. You don't have to try to be compassionate. You are compassionate. It's the outcome of your heart to be compassionate. And people are like, I'm trying. Stop. Stop trying. You need a heart transplant. Because it's supposed to flow out of you. If Jesus is in you, he's going to come out of you. Can you say amen? I love the heart of Jesus. He says he had compassion. Again, understand what the word compassion is. Compassion is not feeling bad. Everybody feels bad. But they go right back to their lives. Compassion is, is, is being so moved by someone's need that it leads you to action. It's a compact word. Compassion into action. You're so moved that you want to do something about it. You're so moved by, by what's going on in your city that you don't, you don't have time to talk about it. You want to do something to help your city. You want to do something to make a difference in your city. Because most people are Captain Obvious. 
It's like sometimes people come to me and say, church, pastor, you know what's wrong with the church? I'm like, go ahead, tell me what's wrong with the church. Well, you don't have enough parking for people like me. Say, so first of all, there are no parking spaces for anybody. It's for everybody. But here's my point. My point is this. Most people see one thing wrong with the church. I see a hundred things wrong with the church. And I'm looking for people who will say, let's work on these things. Let's make it better. You know what's wrong with the world today? Yeah, you are. The moment you start that way, you're already part of the problem. Come on, we want to be part of the solution. Jesus, you don't think Jesus knew what was wrong with the world? He came anyways. If anyone would know what's wrong with the world, is the one who created it. But still he came into the mess and said, let's work on this thing. Let's make it better. Let's create churches of people all over the world who will actually be a solution to the problems of this world. Let's create people who will put others first. Let's create people who are filled with compassion. He said he saw people not just with compassion, but he saw them as confused and helpless. What a revelation, my friends. What a vision. Can you imagine what would happen to our world if we begin to see people as confused and helpless? Can you imagine a world where you don't label people based on your own judgments, but you see them with the eyes of Jesus? That they are helpless and confused. Can you imagine a world where you don't see addicts? You see people helpless and confused. Can you imagine a world where you don't see thugs? You just see young people who are helpless and confused. Can you imagine a world the way Jesus imagined this world to be? Confused. Why? Because there's so many voices pulling us in so many directions. Maybe you came in this morning confused, and I got good news for you. Jesus sees you. Jesus sees you. He doesn't bypass you. He doesn't think you're a problem. He thinks that you are a human being worth pursuing. Can you imagine if our hearts were transformed and we begin to see each other with compassion and say, I'm not here to judge you. I'm not here to condemn you. I'm here to be a blessing in your life. I'm here to help you through your journey of life. My goodness, that's a great way to articulate our world, isn't it? 2,000 years ago, we saw people confused and helpless. 2,000 years later, people are confused and helpless. This is why you have to understand that the drug epidemic is because people feel helpless. No one sets out to be an addict. Yesterday, we did another prison ministry Bible study, and my brother who did it was telling me about the outcome. None of them said, I want to be an inmate. Because we live in a world of confusion and helplessness, we end up making terrible decisions and choices who puts us into situations. But the good news is Jesus came on the scene to say it doesn't have to be that way. Confused, too many voices. Helpless, not knowing where to turn. So we turn to drugs. We turn to alcohol. We turn to all the things that's going to give us a temporary fix. But you see, Jesus is not into temporary. He's into permanent. What he wants to do in your life is permanent. Jesus doesn't want you to just be blessed on a Sunday morning. He wants you to be blessed on Tuesday night, on Thursday. He wants you to be blessed six months from now, a year from now. 
20 years from now. You see, in five years of launching this church, I've seen so many people come and go. And we bless all of them. But I do believe this, that some people are called to be long-term focused people who don't get persuaded by any little wind of imagination or feelings or emotions. People who say, no, I am here, come hell or high water. God has called me here and I'm going to go the distance with God. We live in a very fleeting times, people. Because people don't stay in the test of time. So we try to numb the pain instead of healing the pain. We say the world is bad. It's all bad. Every day, breaking news, it's bad. And what do we do? Instead of dealing with the pain, we numb it. We numb it with substance abuse. We numb it with Netflix. It's so much easier to watch a show about relationships than to work on your relationships. And we end up wishfully thinking that our relationships will get better because we're watching someone act it on TV as opposed to actually work on the relationship that's right next to you. And we say, I wish you were like her. I wish you were like Kiki. <laughs> Meantime, Kiki's the imagination of Drake. Most people live in an imagination world. But the real world requires people with real compassion in real time, in a real place. And most people will always talk to you like it's a wishful thinking. I, I wish. Wishing and faith is not the same thing, my friends. Faith requires action. Faith requires words. Faith requires legs. Faith requires getting out of your comfort zone in Rhode Island, even though your wife is pregnant, to drive to New Bedford to say, God, you said you were going to do this thing, and we're going to do this thing. That's faith, my friends. That's faith. If you're, if you're looking for comfort, you're not looking for faith. And you don't have a vision. Because vision is never about where you are. It's about where you need to go. Like, vision is never about, hey, let's make you as comfortable as possible where you are. Bring the lazy boy. <laughs> no, vision is, let's see how far can you go. It's a slingshot. It says, you see our world confused and helpless. My friends, let's pray to have the heart of Jesus. To see each other as helpless and confused. Can you imagine how much hassle we would save if we start seeing each other that way? When someone starts getting angry, you're like, you're just helpless and confused. Now they get even more angry with you. You just call me helpless and confused. Yeah, say it a little louder. Say it for the people in the back. You're helpless and confused. Because, my friend, sometimes I'm helpless and confused. You ever thought about that? That the very person that may be in church is helpless and confused. I believe there's in-house evangelism that needs to happen. There are people next to you who are helpless and confused. That maybe you can be a beacon of light in their lives. That maybe if we can get in this cruise and talk to each other and pray with each other and build each other up, maybe we can go somewhere together. You say there are sheep without a shepherd. You, you, see, you have to understand Jesus likes to give us pictures to see. He says, can you imagine? These are people without a shepherd. In other words, no guidance. Most kids that get into gangs, it's a lack of guidance. Talked to a 17-year-old this week. He's telling me what he's seen. 17-year-old see his best friend get killed when he was 15. Shouldn't be seeing that stuff. 
So what do you think happens to the psyche of a 15-year-old when you begin to see violence at this early age? What do we do? We label these kids as thugs and, and no good, but we never took time to realize maybe they may be helpless and confused with no guidance. Maybe I should be a shepherd in this kid's life. Maybe I should be a mentor in this kid's life. Maybe this kid has a chance. So by the time I was, I was done talking with this kid, man, you can see life in him. He went home and told his mom, man, that, that, that dude is for real. My friends, we're not here to play church. We're here to be guidance to someone. We're here to be mentors to someone. At some point, we've got to stop looking at life about me, myself, and I. At some point, we've got to turn this thing around and say, Jesus, sign me up. Make, make me a worker in your kingdom. Allow me to be a blessing in someone else's life. Allow me to help another person. Sheep without shepherd, it's, it's living aimlessly. You know, most people get up in the morning, go to work pay bills, and do it all over again. No purpose. And that's not the way God created us to be. That's why we tell you, join a team so that purpose can begin to come out of you. Start somewhere so that something can be birthed out of you. Because it's in you already. And our goal is not to live aimlessly. And to be honest with you, the more aimlessly we live, the more we waste time. Did you know the word prodigal means wasteful? Everybody knows the, word, the story of the prodigal son. It, it meant that he wasted time, energy, money on foolish things because he was living aimlessly. Jesus comes to redirect our lives towards purpose. And the greatest purpose in life, no matter where you feel is, is to help others. That's your greatest purpose in life. That's why we have tremendous respect for our first responders because their greatest purpose in life is to help somebody, to protect and serve. This is the call of all of us, no matter what field you find yourself in. You see, that's why he, he compares people with a harvest. Did you notice that? He says the harvest is great. He didn't say problems are great. He said harvest is great. I was wondering about this, Mike. Why does he compare people with the harvest? And, you know, obviously he lives in a farming society. Agriculture was a big thing. So he tries to give you pictures to understand. But you know that the harvest happens all year long? Did you know the harvest is not just when you reap, but there's a sowing season too? Did you know that there's a waiting season in the harvest? So picture what Jesus is telling you here. He's saying people are a harvest. You know, harvest takes time. It takes care. As I was preparing this message, I, I decided, let me reach out to someone who knows more about the harvest so he can give me some insight. You know, there's a, there's a man in our church who runs a vineyard. And so I texted him. I texted him this. I said, I said, Bill, where are you right now in the harvest process? I want to know right now in this, in this month, where are you? Because I know it's a full-time job. I know you do this all year long. But tell me right now, this instant, where are you? Here's the first thing he says. He says, waiting. Because, you know, there's a time to wait. And then he goes on with this. He says, translation, tasting the fruit and assessing its flavor and maturity. Hello, somebody. As these develop, our assessment determines when to pick. Is, does this preach or what? And then he says this. Look at this revelation. He said, here's a thought for you. The fruit is the most fragile before we harvest. Meaning, the early on, it's got tough skin and no flavor. 
No, it gets better. They're like marbles. As he matures, the skin becomes much softer and vulnerable to any number of pests. Some you see like insects and birds. Others are unseen like microorganisms. The experienced vineyard manager knows how to keep the harvest protected from both the seen and the unseen. Do you understand that Jesus is the greatest thinker of all times? What he's telling you is not this cute religious thing. Hey, the harvest. He's talking about the process of dealing with people. In case you missed it, let me, let me break it down. He said tough skin and no flavor. That's the surface. Most people will put on a front. But deep down inside, they're hurting. They're confused and they're helpless. In my, in my opinion, in 20 years of doing ministry, the harder the surface, the softer the inside. I'm telling you, don't go by the lie of the thug. It's thugs who put on the front in front of their boys who come up to me on the side and go, yo, can you like pray for me? Because the human being with needs. So what do we do? When we have no vision, you just see the surface. And so we label people instead of working with them. We, we categorize people because it's so much easier for me to categorize you than to actually engage you. Isn't it so much easier to put labels on things as opposed to actually engage them? But no one makes a difference with labels. He said, watch this. As he matures, the skin becomes softer and vulnerable. Sometimes we just need to give people time. Sometimes the greatest thing we can do is to just walk with somebody. Instead of us trying to change them, how about we let the Lord change them? But we're here to walk with you, to support you. Because here's the Captain Obvious that I hear in church. Oh, did you know this person's doing this? Did you know this person's doing that? I'm like, are you surprised? We live in a confused and helpless world. Of course people are going to try to find ways to cope with their, with their pains and, and, and stuff. And here we are, religious, like, did you know that this person is smoking? Did you know that this person is drinking? I'm like, did you not know? What were you doing before you were fully mature in the Word? So don't tell me you're spiritually mature, but all you're saying is immaturity. That's like me saying to my wife, did you know that two-year-old is pooping in his diaper? Did you know this is happening in our house? Why is he not acting like an 11-year-old? Because he's two. Come on, church. We need to mature a little bit and help people grow along. Yeah, he's 35, but he's still two in the faith. Yeah, he's got a poopy diaper. Can you help change it? Are we just going to call the poopy diaper out? What parent does that? Yeah, he's got a poopy diaper. I don't know who's going to deal with that, but he's got a poopy diaper. What did you learn in church today? We got poopy diapers. Seriously, though, it burns me up to hear, quote, unquote, mature believers talk like you know what you're talking about. You have no clue. Because if you knew, you would get in there and help change that diaper because Jesus would help change your diaper. 
Beware of pests, seen and unseen, he said. Why? Because we're in a warfare. People are not discerning that we're in a warfare. So they just go along with the pests. The pest is not part of God's will for you, but God uses pests to strengthen you, to build you up. A lot of times people think, God's not in it because it's so hard. No, no, that's when God is in it. That's when God is in it. That's when he's like, oh, you're pregnant with the fourth? Go. Uh, I'm telling you, like, this is not honeymoon season anymore. This is five years into this thing. We need some mature people who would stay in the test of time, who would stay in it thick and high water. No matter what comes your way, you made up your mind. I'm going forward with Jesus. There's no time to go backwards. There's no time to talk about what's wrong. I need to talk about what's right and what we need to do and what we should be doing. Let's talk about solutions. I don't want a church full of spiritual, cute people. Because it's not real. I'll be honest with you. The more cute and spiritual, the more we're hiding something. We never came here to start a church for insiders. We came to start a church for people who have poopy diapers so they can grow up in the faith and change their diapers and then help someone else change their diapers. We came to see people grow in the faith. That's why most people don't want anything to do with church because it's fake. We pretend no one stinks when there's poopy diapers all around us. I'm staying right here in this poopy diaper. Notice what he said. He said the mature manager of a vineyard knows how to protect the harvest. Can I ask you something? If you're really mature now, this is for some people. I don't know if it's all of you, but some people in this place. You know what you need to be doing? You need to be protecting this harvest. You need to be protecting this church. You need to be protecting what God is doing here and shut the mouth of naysayers and liars and deceivers who are trying to come against the will of God in this place. You ought to stand up and say, no more. Shut your mouth, you gossiper. Shut your mouth, you liar. Shut your mouth, you deceiver. God is doing a new thing here. I'm going to stand up for the will of God in this place. I'm not going to stand with your lies, your deceits, your maneuver, your lying, you're agreeing with the devil. I'm going to agree with Jesus. This is the harvest. This is his will for this place. Seriously. We need some true mature people, not cute religious people. You know what's wrong? You know what's worse than gossiping? Those who entertain it. Gossiping is low, but entertaining is lower. We need some mature people who will shut things down. Say it goes no more. If you really care about that person, let me bring that person over here. This is maturity, people. This is what true vision looks like. No one says I'm here to cause division. It always starts with I'm hurt. But you know how many times I've been hurt in my marriage? Almost every other day. Because the people you care about the most hurt you the most. But those are the people that you do life with. I have never threatened to leave my wife. Come hell or high water. We're in this thing together. Do you know who drives me bananas every day? My kids. Because I love them. I don't threaten to leave them. That's no maturity to leave when things get hard. 
Maturity is what you do when things do get hard. That's maturity. That's vision. Whenever people are like, ah, if you, this happened again, I'm leaving, let them go. Bye. I've never had a conversation in five years tell people to stay in this church. I will never have that conversation because if you're not mature enough to see what God is doing here, then you're not mature enough to be handling what God's doing here. My friends, are you ready? Because Jesus said the, the harvest is ready. Question is, are we ready? Are we ready? Notice what he said. He said, no, you need to pray. Pray that the, the owner of the harvest will send more workers into the field. What an amazing thing that Jesus would ask us to pray for more workers. The work is all around us. Today, as we leave this place, if you're paying attention, someone will be put in your path. But the way you respond to that person, it depends on what's going on in your heart and what do you see. He said, pray for the harvest. My friends, you know what crazy this is? You and I could be an answer to Jesus' own praise. We always pray. Every day we pray. We pray for things. We pray for people. But today you could be an answer to Jesus' prayer. How cool is that? Today you can say, Jesus, you prayed and I'm here. I'm enlisting myself in your army. I'm in your kingdom. I'm here for you to use me, Jesus, to be a blessing in this field. How cool would that be? Right? How cool would that be? That it's not, oh, God, what are you going to do with me today? Bless me today. And Jesus is like, when are you going to listen to my prayer? I listen to yours. Right? You pray, he listens. Now he's like, can you listen to my prayer? How about you listen to my prayer? You know, listen, listen I, I, I'm running out of time, but let me just make it clear. Listen, recognize, my friends, if you want to be a worker in this field, because this is for mature people now. If you want to be a worker in this field, recognize that there's a harvest all around you already. It's not coming. It is here. Recognize that people, that God's put in your path is for a reason, a purpose. Recognize that where you are right now in life is for a reason. When you recognize that, then approach it. With compassion. Because you don't know what battle someone's battling. You've never walked in their shoes. Let's not do the simple, just categorize labeling. Some of you, you walked in here today, you already categorized the church. Based on your own opinions. But when is it going to go beyond that? To translate into a heart transformation. Into an actual experience that transforms you from the inside out. Everybody has opinions. But the fact is, not everybody's working it out. Work with people. It's the greatest investment in life is people. Because someone invested in you. I know I wouldn't be here on my own. There's been a lot of people in my 40 years of life who have invested in me, who have prayed for me, who has helped me, who has guided me, and sometimes corrected me. And I thank God for every person who has worked with me, because it ain't easy. Can you imagine being my wife? 
She's a saint. <laughs> the greatest thing we can do, my friends, is point people to Jesus. It's not hard to point people to Jesus. If you know Jesus, it's not hard to point people to Jesus. It doesn't sound, hallelujah, praise the Lord, all of that nonsense. Here's what it sounds like. Oh, your marriage is in, pro- is in trouble? Here's what I did. You know, the, the most refreshing thing any human being wants to hear in life is me too. There's nothing more refreshing than me too. You're going through something, someone says me too, it puts you at ease. I'm not the only one. When you go to celebrate recovery process, you're going to hear me too. Because you're not the only one. You've been through a divorce, someone else too. Your kids are acting up, mine too. You have bills, me too. How much further can we go with just a me too mindset? As opposed to, oh, you struggle with that? Just because my struggle looks different from yours doesn't mean you don't have struggles. Me too. Listen, we're working hard as a church to create an environment for all people. No matter where you are. And we'll continue to believe that the harvest is great. We'll continue to sing over the city that greater things are yet to come. We'll continue to to fight for it even when naysayers try to push you down and and haters will hate. All that stuff, nonsense. I don't have time for that. I want to be an eagle in a world of chickens. I want to fly high. Let the chickens pick whatever they're picking down there. And I pray that this church will continue to push the boundaries of what is possible. And so as we end today, I just want to let you know, listen, it has to be a vision that's coming from the heart of someone who's been transformed. That's the only way this thing works. But together we can accomplish more. That's why I think but God brings us together. Don't say, it's, I go to that church. Say, I, it's my church. I'm in this And I have a role to play in this. So as we go forward, I just want to tell you some things we're working on. Listen, big things. We believe in big things. Listen, next week we're going to start a new series called 40 Days of Prayer. Because everything we do starts with prayer. Prayer is God's idea. Prayer is where you get the vision, the dream, the strength, the courage, the boldness, the the, the breakthrough that you need. And we're going to talk about all these things in the next seven weeks. We're going to go through this also in crews. That's what I'm saying. Join a crew. Sundays will not be enough. 40 days of prayer. We're believing that God's going to do awesome things in your lives. But not just for you, but for this city and for this region. Can you say amen? You know, we're also working on our first ever original CD. We're going to have a night of worship coming up in October. Our music team has been working hard on their own music. Because every movement has a sound. Plato said, if you want someone to pay attention to your message, put it through a song. And so we're going to release our first EP. It's going to be a night of worship. It's going to be awesome. I hope you don't miss it. It's going to be a really great time. The next thing is, listen, God has opened an amazing door for us to reach even more people in the South Coast region. Starting in October, we're going to have our own TV program on Fox and ABC. We're going to call this TV program a new normal. That's what we're going to believe for. We're going to be on Fox in the morning, ABC, right after the news. Tell somebody who hasn't come to church yet, we're coming to you live, listen, on TV. 
And did you know this? Any given week, they say we can get into anything from five to 8,000 homes. They say that's 2.5 people per household watching the TV program. Tell me Jesus is not going to expand this harvest to more and more people. And we believe that through the TV program, many lives will be restored and blessed. Can you say amen? amen. And lastly, listen, we've been working on this for months. But we, we, we're going to have a building. Listen, we're going to have a place. We're going to have a place. I know it's been a slow process, it's been a grind, but God's timing is perfect. We signed a long-term lease with Shaw's, we're going to walk into this place in the near future. And I was hesitant to tell you about this because we bought a building, remember that? We had to sell it, but guess what, this building is twice the size of this building that we sold. So I'm praying... Please put your eyes of faith on. See beyond the natural. See a new city. See new families. See new blessings. Listen, join me right now. These things won't happen without the power of the Holy Spirit. These things won't happen without just us wishfully thinking. Lift your hands towards this stuff. Pray with me. Come on, church. If you're in this army with me, pray with me. Believe God with me that this is his will. It's his dream. It's not my dream. It's God's dream. I get to be a part of it. Pray that you are a worker in this field. Pray and say, God, I want to be an answer to the prayers that you prayed 2,000 years ago that I will be a blessing in, in someone's life, that I will be someone that you can use. Trust me, Lord. Trust me with more. I want to be able to do more. I want to be able to see more. I want to be able to see the fullness of your will. I want to see revival in this region. I want to see lives transformed. I want to see lives restored. Oh, I want to see this building become a place of sanctuary, a place of healing, a place of restoration, a place of blessings, a place of power, a place of deliverance. Oh, a place where lives will be completely restored in Jesus' name. I pray that this TV program will be so anointed that people in the living rooms will cry out to Jesus and say, I want to give my life to Jesus. Come on, greater thanks to come. Thanks for joining us today. If you want to connect with us, you can find us at newlifesouthcoast.com for any further information.